So again, another morning, another exciting conversation <laughs> with another very popular translator on LinkedIn, at least, uh, because I've been following her for quite a while. She has a podcast. She works in subtitling. She has a distinctive hair, as you can tell. <laughs> and she works array around the purple and pink uh, tones very well. And so today we have Dot. I would just ask you to introduce yourself briefly and then we talk about you. Hi, thank you so much for um for having me here. Um it's really it's really nice. Um yeah, so as you said, uh my name is Dot and um I yeah, I did I studied languages at undergrad and then did my masters in translation in Man at Manchester, um which is where I live now. Um and I started uh freelance translating in January 2019. And now I've sort of moved more into audiovisual translation. So now mostly what I do is subtitling and, um, oh yeah, I translate from German and Dutch into English and I create subtitles and subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing as well. Um, mostly for like movies and TV shows and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of what I do. <laughs> and, then I'm also... <laughs> and then so, I'm, uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And then I also just have my podcast as well that um, I host. It's called Me the Translator. Mm -hmm. It's like my side project. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a big one, I would say. So <laughs> I did look at your uh, profile and your master's was actually in translation and interpreting. So has the interpreting part been a part of your activities? Um, well, the reason it's translation interpreting is because when I finished my undergrad, I was like, I, I was kind of interested to learn about interpreting. So I was like, oh, I'll pick a master's that has translation and interpreting. Mm -hmm. And then I went to do the master's and I didn't actually end up picking any of the interpreting modules. So I have zero experience <laughs> in interpreting. It's just ah. part of the name of my degree, but I didn't do any of those modules. So um, yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see. I thought that maybe it had happened for a while and then you just decided that it wasn't no, for you I've... or you didn't enjoy it or something. <laughs> done no interpreting. No interpreting. Okay, that's great. But what about the moment where you decided to actually study languages? So the original degree, what went mm -hmm. through your mind and why Dutch <laughs> and German, right? So why yeah. those? Because I've been talking to a lot of people who are British and who have studied uh, French, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or German, but uh, the Dutch part hasn't happened yet. So why is Dutch <laughs> in your life? <laughs> um, well, I'll start with like, I started learning German when I was about 12 at school. And I think like, at least in the UK when I was when I was at school French was kind of the main language that we all had to learn and like I did have to learn French but I never really enjoyed it I didn't like how like it was pronounced differently from how it was written a lot of the time and I found that German was very it's a lot more like once you learn like the sounds of the letters and stuff like it's uh, I found it a lot easier and so I started doing that when I was 12 and then like carried it through school and it was basically like my favorite subject at A-levels. So I was like, when I was finishing school, I was like, right, what do I want to do? And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one of my friends had worked as an au pair the previous summer and she was like, mm -hmm. why don't you do that? So I just like 
went to Germany for a year and lived in Berlin working as an au pair for a family mm. to like I don't know just experience like <laughs> living in Germany really and then I kind of thought maybe I want to do maybe I want to do this at university but I didn't want to do just German at university because I was like I want to I want to be learning something else as well but I also didn't want to make my life too difficult so I was like what is the easiest language that I could learn <laughs> alongside German like and I just went with Dutch because it's kind of like I'd say it's kind of somewhere I mean it's a Germanic language and it's somewhere kind of in between English and German so I was like this will mm. probably be fine so I mean, yeah, then sense. I did um <laughs> so yeah then I I uh I did yeah German and Dutch and I think I applied to when I was applying to universities I applied for different language combinations at different universities because I think at least when I was doing it there was only like three universities offering Dutch and it wasn't that I absolutely had to do Dutch it was more that I wanted to do something with it and then I got accepted at Nottingham um and then yeah so then I started learning Dutch there and um yeah I'm really glad that I did that because it's uh it's been interesting <laughs> yes as a project manager I worked a lot with Dutch projects believe it or not <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and there's it's not so easy to find translators and all that. <clears throat> mm. Not many people work with it, so I guess it's a really smart move. And if you enjoy it, that's perfect. So, mm. was it during college that you went to China? <laughs> oh, when when did I go to China? It was um, basically when I when I moved to Manchester to do my masters uh, in translation. Um, I again was like, I don't want to do just translation. Like, I want to. I want to add something else on there. I was like, I want to learn Mandarin. So like, <laughs> why not? Like, when, when you I said like that you had it. learned uh, Dutch because it was a Germanic language and it was like a, in the same family as English and German, then I thought, mm, so is the Chinese one, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, let's have a challenge. Let's try and learn Mandarin. So like, yeah, when I went to when I when I came to Manchester, I was like, right, I want to learn Mandarin on the side, and it there wasn't like an option to have it as part of my course mm. um so I did like evening classes with the Confucius Institute um which were held at in my university building anyway um and then I think after like a year or something there was like this opportunity to like go to Beijing for two weeks um at Beijing Normal University and like have language classes but also like do other things like see the Great Wall of China and yeah. try out all, the, all these other different things um, and I was like yeah that sounds like fun so um, yeah I applied to do that and then uh, got accepted and went there and had amazing time um, mm. I have since not really been continuing learning Mandarin just because it's such a big <laughs> it's it's quite a challenge um, and I I just can't prioritize doing that right now but like I'm really glad that I did that and like that I yeah got that experience and got to learn a little bit but definitely I'm not going to be adding that to my language combinations for translation anytime soon <laughs> ah that's such a shame <laughs> <laughs> yeah I understand I mean it's mm, a whole different thing I've also learned a few not so common languages for you know little little months mm. <laughs> periods of time <laughs> But I understand that it's it would take a lot more effort than 
most of the stuff that we have to learn. So what about mm -hmm. subtitling? Was it during college that you thought that this was going to be ideal for you or was it later? Did it come to you like by chance? How did the subtitling thing come to you? Um. So I... It I kind of learned about it during my translation masters. Um, there was a module in audiovisual translation and that's where we kind of learned about it and learned how to use subtitling software. And I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't do that well in that module, but like I really, really enjoyed it. So I was like, I want to do this anyway. Um, and I did my dissertation for my masters in audiovisual translation. And luckily I did quite a bit better in that. Um, and so then I kind of was like, yeah, I want to, do a bit more of this um but it's kind of hard to then get into like uh job wise um mm. but I started off by um doing some just English subtitles for a, a charity based down in Cornwall um and I just did that like on a volunteer basis and that mm. kind of gave me a little bit of experience um and then I started working with a subtitling agency and then that built up my experience even more and now like <laughs> I just kind of it just kind of went from there and I got more and more subtitling clients and yeah I think it was always like something that I wanted to do but when I started out I was doing text translation because it felt kind of easier to get into like to start with I think. <laughs> mm. Is there a lot of work from Dutch I love this Dutch thing uh, into English <laughs> for subtitling is that common? Yeah, yeah I think like it's because there aren't like there aren't loads of Dutch to English translators and then like there's even less Dutch to English audiovisual translators that will do subtitling as well so I get actually probably more work um from Dutch to English um oh. than I do from German to English I think with text translation it was kind of half and half because I think there is more at least there was more like there was more German into English work mm -hmm. out there um, but there are also a lot more German to English translators out there. Um, so I think it was nice to have like the balance of like the one where there's more work and more people and then the one where there's maybe mm -hmm. less work, but there's less people to do it. But yeah, now I get more, I get more Dutch to English, but I also do a lot of um, just like closed captions or like English to English. So mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, yeah, mix. <laughs> hmm. So did you do some, did you do some time? No, this is like in prison. <laughs> I did not go to prison. No, I was going to say, did you end up going to to an LSP for, for your practices or that had never happened and you went straight to freelancing and never had the uh, experience of working for an LSP? Did you? Uh, yeah, I've never worked. I've never worked in house. Um, mm. I it's because when I did my masters, I did it part time over two and a half years, mm. and halfway through that, I started freelancing. Um, and so by the time I graduated, I'd already been like freelancing for a year, and so it was kind of working out all right. And then I just kind of went into doing that full time. Um, it didn't really. I'd thought about like working in house, but like it didn't really make sense to me because I was already freelancing and it was going all right so I just kind of carried on with that <laughs> hmm. yeah makes sense it's just that most people I know of course yeah. <laughs> have started <laughs> by working for a period even if you know short period but most of them worked for LSPs before they actually launched mm -hmm. uh, their own business but you just went straight to it <laughs> right <laughs> I'll just do this we'll just see what happens <laughs> 
And so when did you start your career in on LinkedIn? On <laughs> Because LinkedIn. You're, you're there quite a lot, right? How relevant yeah. has that been for I your mean... success? <laughs> <laughs> I think like I mean LinkedIn's been incredible. I think I started um probably after I've finished uh finished uni because I'd like even though I started freelancing like a year before I was still studying alongside and that was kind of taking up a lot of my time and at that point I had like basically one main client that was giving me loads of work so I wasn't mm -hmm. feeling like I needed to go out and find more clients at that point. Um and then probably about a year probably early like 2020 um when when I'd finished uni so I had a bit more time to like do other things and look for other work but then also that that main client that I'd had suddenly started having less work for me I think because of like the pandemic and a lot of mm -hmm. things are happening and I started to like panic a little bit and I was like okay now I need to like actually be a bit more proactive with like putting myself out there and that kind of thing and I think that's when I like got a bit, got a bit more into LinkedIn um and yeah it's just kind of kind of carried it on I'm not as like consistent with it as people like Kelsey are like <laughs> she manages to post every single day and I just like I'm a bit more like kind of I'll post when I have thought of something that I want to talk about or like sometimes I'll just I don't know sometimes I'll post every day for a bit and then sometimes I won't have posted for a whole month like I just kind of when I have the energy for it I'll, I'll, I'll use LinkedIn um but I'm kind of not too hard on myself if I like don't I don't want to post things if I don't like just for the sake of it do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I think I just don't always have ideas every day <laughs> But you do go to a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but you do go to events, right? I guess I, I saw your photos mm -hmm. in certain industry events. So you have a lot of that kind of around you, I suppose, right? I mean, I only started that like last year. I think the first, well, I mean, I guess the first thing was I joined my local translation network, the Northwest Translators Network. Mm -hmm. And I think the first thing I ever went to was their wild swimming event. Um, and I was really excited to go to like my first translation event. And it was like, we all got in a, in a lake. And, like, <laughs> okay. It was, it was, it was a great, I actually think that was a really good shout because it was a really relaxed environment. I didn't have to worry too much about how I was going to dress or, who was going to be there, what I was going to say to people. Cause it was like, well, we were in our swimming costumes and we were in a lake. So it was like, <laughs> it was just a lot more like a relaxed way to kind of get to know other translators and stuff. And that mm -hmm. was really good. And I started going to their like co-working sessions and more things with them. And then like my first sort of conference was actually the Cardiff translation unconference. So mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of a conference. I'd love um, to go there. Just the name is just very inspiring. Oh, I'm like, so... oh. <laughs> It was so, yeah. So I went to that, their first one that they had last year. Um, and I loved it so much. That was again, like a really nice way to like have a sort of conference experience, but in a much more relaxed, relaxed way. Um, mm -hmm. and then after that, I went to the ITI conference, um, in Brighton where I, where I did a talk with Kelsey. Um, mm -hmm. and then that was kind of like the big, like, this is a <laughs> full on translation conference. Like it's like, I don't know felt a lot more like serious um mm. I don't know and now sounds like it was <laughs> yeah it was it was good fun though it was a lot more kind of like I think relaxed and friendly than I kind of thought it might be mm -hmm. um 
I don't know. And then, yeah, this year I'm going to be going to the BP conference in Utrecht. So I try and like do, I, I think I'm aiming to do like one big conference a year because mm. other other than that, it gets a bit, well, it gets a bit expensive. And also mm. it's a lot of like, it's, it's, it's like a lot of energy, like, um, cause they're often like two or three days in a row mm. and it's constant, like, networking and all mm. this and I love it so much but it takes up a lot of energy I think. Mm. but do you do you feel like it has an impact when you come back home and you go back to your social media and all of that do you feel like those conferences have an impact from either a networking point of view or a client point of view mm -hmm. I think definitely like the networking is like um is always amazing like I always make so many new connections but also a lot of the time like I'll have connected with people on LinkedIn and stuff. And then I go to a conference and I get to mm. meet them in person and I'll be like, oh, mm. like I've seen you like talking about this or something. And then you finally meet people in person and it's it's really, really nice. And in terms of like a client perspective, um, it's hard to say exactly because I feel like most of my work comes from like referrals for other translators. So mm. sort of by connecting with other translators, then yeah, I guess I would get more work. Like I guess the more people that know who you are and what you do the more likely they are to think of you when something comes along or like I don't know the more likely someone is to recommend you mm. for something so I guess they kind of go hand in hand but I don't mm. really I don't really make the connections with the thought like oh yes, this person might give me work <laughs> like, it's more like I just love doing it and then it's kind of like a thing that comes along with it which is quite nice and mm. works well for me because I don't really like like applying to agencies or trying to I don't know send emails to mm. client, potential clients and stuff mm. I'd rather like make friends with people and then see what happens <laughs> so who are those clients are they in the UK are there are they from Europe are they big studios in the US <laughs> what um, kind of clients of... do you have I mean of course there's more than one type I suppose but the the majority of of your work comes from clients from Europe I suppose given your language pairs or not so much? Uh, sort of all over the place. Because obviously, like, I work with quite a few subtitling agencies and they're often based, like, I don't know, they'll have, like, a central hub and then they'll have all different languages. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily going to be based in Germany or the Netherlands. Um, So, like, I guess with the bigger agencies, they're sort of all over the place. Um. And then with like more direct clients, then yeah, they might be in Belgium or the Netherlands or somewhere in Germany. Um, so I think like it does, it does vary. And I've had like clients in the UK as well, actually, um, that I've done like closed captions for. So I think like kind of everywhere, <laughs> really. Right. So the other thing that you do that really interests me is obviously the fact that you had a podcast, <laughs> that you have a podcast, right? So, but apparently it already started, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So it's great to know that I have um, someone <laughs> who knows more than I do <laughs> so that I can ask questions. So let's talk a little bit about your motivation to start it and what happens there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, well, basically I'd back in, yeah, it was in 2020. I'd worked on my website a lot and mm. I'd started a blog on my website and I was thinking of like blog post ideas. And I had this idea to like talk to different translators and 
like find out about their experiences and that kind of thing as like a blog post series and I was talking about it to my friend Chris who was on my master's course with me and he was like that would be a great podcast idea and I was like (laughs) (laughs) and I was like okay and then I just kind of thought about it a bit more and it took me a few months before I was like you know what I'm gonna make this a podcast because like why not like I it was like I think it was like during we had like lockdowns and all that kind of thing and like I was looking for ways to like network more with other translators anyway that like and obviously there wasn't all the like face-to-face stuff happening mm-hmm. um so I was like yeah I'll just start a podcast <laughs> so I just I just did it and the the first episode was with Chris um mm-hmm. and about um uh talking about doing a master's in translation um and our course that um we'd been on um and yeah then it just kind of um went from there and um I'm still doing it (laughs) yeah you got me thinking now because you told me just now that you do it only once a month I say only because (laughs) as you know I'm still learning and maybe uh I I would envision more than once a month for for myself as I told you before but (laughs) so give us a little bit of your motivation to do it once a month um so I think I wanted to not give myself too much work basically like I wanted it to be something sustainable that I could that I could do every month and I think I really wanted to like um dedicate it was taking me quite a lot of time to like record an episode edit an episode um like kind of do the whole thing anyway um and I was like I don't yes because this is really hard work It's it is it is hard work and like I started off like you are like doing everything myself and like it was um yeah it was a lot of work and I was like I just don't I think like if I'm gonna keep doing this and also still like running my own business like I can't <laughs> Not like I can't full time podcasting right <laughs> exactly and it wasn't it was kind of supposed to be like a nice fun thing that I enjoyed and I didn't want to get to the point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore mm-hmm. so. I just was like, I think I could be consistent with doing one a month. And that's like how I've carried on doing it. And I've skipped a few months like here and there because I'm not really too hard on myself with it. I'm kind of like, well, if I need a break from it, I'll have a break from it. Like no one really notices if I skip a month. So like, um, yeah, I just like, I just wanted, the main thing was just to make sure that I would still be enjoying it. And like, mm-hmm. thankfully like, I am still really enjoying doing it. And I think if I was trying to do like one a week or something I think it would become a bit stressful like for me personally like I know we all can manage like different things but like personally for me I was like I think this is like the amount I can do to keep myself enjoying it Mm -hmm. yeah I really liked your perspective and now you got me thinking and that's it (laughs) (laughs) no just kidding thank you so much Dot that's been amazing and now I'm going to go and listen to your podcast. Uh, and the name of the podcast <laughs> is, let's say it more specifically so that everybody can go and check it out. It's called Meet the Translator. Meet the Translator. I love it. So that's mm-hmm. what I also do. I try to meet translators and other <laughs> professionals in our language business to talk to them about their profile and what they do and what their interests are and now how they got here. So that's why I was really happy to invite you and I was happy that you said yes. So thank you so much (laughs) for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation now that I know it a little bit better. So I'll see you around and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been really, really lovely getting to know you as well. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.